Hello, and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at KillerQueensPodcast. And we're on YouTube at KillerQueens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Hey, guys. (laughs) See, it's not so easy. I thought that was great. I don't know why you're laughing at me. Hey, guys. Hey. (laughs) So we have a bonus episode for you. Oh, my God. A bonus. And everybody has been like, you've got to cover the Britney Spears doc. Yes. You asked. We delivered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were like, you're right. We got to. Yeah. We don't just want to. We got to. Yeah, exactly. Here we go. Now, normally we do our docu, like our documentary coverage on our doc jams on Patreon. Mm-hmm, on Patreon. But this one, just so many people were asking about it that we were like, you know what? We're just going to do a bonus because we're in the middle of Night Stalker right now. Well, actually, mm-hmm. by the, yeah, we're in the middle of Night Stalker right now. We'll be finishing up this week. So it would have been, you know, several weeks before we could have put this in on that. And we wanted to do it like now. So yeah, we wanted to do a bonus. Yay. Yay. And, um, you know, just to let everybody know, since this is going out everywhere, we do have Doc Jams on the Patreon. So like we said, right now, we're covering episode by episode of Night Stalker. The next one we're doing is the Cecil Hotel thing on Netflix. Netflix. So Lisa Mm -hmm. Lamb story. And we also do a show called Murder Mixtape that drops every Wednesday. So Doc Jams is Fridays. Then we do every Wednesday with our Murder Mixtape. And this week uh, on Wednesday, we're dropping the Angie Samoda case. So if that's one that interests you, take a peek. Yeah. And $10 a month, it'll get you three episodes and they're all ad-free. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's ad-free. So feel like it's definitely bang for your buck. I think so. Yeah. If you just can't get enough. And we have all of our episodes that we've already covered. So there would be plenty of a binge in to do. Yeah. This is our murder mixtape episode 100 this week. So you got a hundred of those bitches you can binge. And then we've got all of our past docuseries. The Jinx. Don't fuck with cats. Confession killer. Confession killer. Who killed little Gregory? Filthy Rich, Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, all kinds of stuff. So yeah. Plenty anyway. to get. Absolutely. So yeah, should we get into it? Let's do it. It's Britney, bitch. So we open with chanting of, what do we want? Free Britney! When do we want it? Now! And we see people <sighs> protesting and posting videos about the conservatorship and explaining like what it is and their connection to the Free Britney movement. Mm-hmm. And this is just something that I looked up. So conservatorship is a legal concept in the United States. A guardian or a protector is appointed by a judge to manage the financial affairs and or daily life of another due to physical or mental limitations or old age. A person under conservatorship is a conservatee, a term that can refer to an adult. It sounds like like power of attorney to me. 
Yes, but like one right? step further almost yeah. because I feel like, yeah, you can control damn near everything about their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we see some of her supporters posting videos and just out there just supporting the hell out of her. And people are like, why is she still in this? And why is her dad in charge of all of this? And then we get on-screen text of the definition of a conservator. And it's from Merriam-Webster Dictionary. And it says, one that preserves from injury or violation protector. And then the second definition is a person, official, or institution designated to take over and protect the interest of an incompetent. Yeah. And obviously in this scenario, Britney Spears is the incompetent. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that means more mentally. I think so, yes. And I, I can understand that like somebody who has a lot of money, if uh, for some reason, like you want to protect them from somebody coming in and taking, you know, swindling them out of all of their money or something like that. But I just don't feel like that's the situation here. That's mm-hmm. not... That's not what's going on. I don't think Brittany's just going to hand her money over to somebody willy-nilly. No, and I think, I mean, we'll definitely get into it, but the fact that she needs the conservatorship because she's quote-unquote an incompetent mentally, but she's completely competent and able physically to make everybody millions and millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't add up, but no. We go back to supporters talking about how Britney helped them be who they are. And it's pretty amazing because they talk about it later, but Britney is kind of painted as this girl next door, very approachable type of person. And her biggest supporters are ones that kind of feel like outcasts in society. And they look to her to feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. Then we hear from Liz Day. She is a senior editor for the New York Times. And she says that Brittany has been under her conservatorship for 12 years. Her father has been in charge of her money for the past 12 years. And her lawyer has just come out saying that she doesn't want her father involved and wants him to step down, but he refuses. Also, do you just get to, ref- I mean, I guess that the judge orders that you step down, you can't refuse, but I was like, how come he gets to make that decision? Exactly. It seems like everything about a conservatorship, it benefits the conservator, not the conservatee. Right. Yeah. It's one of those that like once you're in that situation, it's damn near impossible to get out of. Mm -hmm. Like once you've been found guilty of a crime, Mm -hmm. being exonerated is damn near impossible. Yes, absolutely. So then we meet Felicia Collada. Oh my gosh. Brittany's friend and former assistant. And she is about the nuttiest and kookiest (laughs) person I've ever laid eyes on. She's so cute. She's so cute. Like when they sit her down, first of all, the backdrops they provide for everybody's interviews are fucking gorgeous. I know. This like beautiful floral wall. Yeah. It's like a floral wall. It's so pretty. And it just like ties everything together. I don't know. It was really nice. And, um, when they were like, you know, getting her ready for her interview, she's just like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> Torella, you just reminded me so much of our Nana because our Nana and granddaddy, they would watch golf together and granddaddy's watching golf for the game of golf. And Nana's like, oh, look how pretty that grass is. Oh my gosh, <laughs> look at those flowers. Like y'all are watching for completely different reasons here. Nana's yeah. for gardening, granddaddy's for golf. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I mean, they were really pretty. <laughs> she was like so excited and she was like, this is so cool. Like, I don't know, giggly yes. and she's, she's so funny. just seemed bubbly and happy. So sweet. Yeah. So she said that she didn't know 
they didn't know what to call her at first, like what her role was in the whole Britney empire. And they were like, she was like, some people called me a chaperone. Some people called me a partner, but that didn't sound right. So we landed on assistant. And she said that she didn't, nor does she still understand what a conservatorship is. And she talks about Kentwood, Louisiana. That's where Brittany grew up. And she was like, you know, it's a very small town. Everybody knows everybody. Um, They're not rich, but rich in other ways. And then she's like, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this interview was to remind people why they fell in love with Brittany in the first place. Mm. And then we see footage (laughs) of Brittany at Star Search when she's just a wee little one. And she's singing Love Can Build a Bridge. Love by the can <laughs> bridge. The way she sings it between <clears throat> your heart and mine. She's giving it all she's got. The build is my favorite I know, part. Build. <laughs> Love can Her little country accent. Bridge. Yes. And it's unsettling because so Ed McMahon is the host. And he's just scummy and sleazy. I'm sorry. A lot of hosts back then, like what was that guy from Family Feud? Yes, uh, Richard Dawson. Yes. And, and he kissed just, everybody on the mouth. On the mouth. And, and it before was like COVID, I was then. wrong about that. Yeah, I felt very grossed out. Mm-hmm. It, I guess it was endearing. I'm, I'm sure older women were like, oh my gosh. But mm-hmm. Ed McMahon, when Britney's like all of six years old, on mm-hmm. Star Search, and he's like, Brittany, do you have a boyfriend? And she's like, no, sir. And he's like, why not? And she was like, because boys are mean. And he's like, well, I'm not mean. What about me? And I'm like, are you asking this child out? Like, what are you doing? I know. I just, I did not like it. Like, but that's, that's the beginning of everybody bringing her back to like talking about her personal life, talking about her. He's not asking specifically about her body, but we'll get into that. And it's just like, but she has no value in the entertainment industry except for her, like, who are you interested in? What's your love mm-hmm. life? Tell yeah. us, like, they don't ask her, why do you love to sing? What's your favorite book? You know, like, there's, there's mm-hmm. more to her than what they make her out to be. Yeah, exactly. Haley Hill, former Teen People fashion director and Britney's stylist from 1997 to 2001, said that of all the things you could talk to a female about, it had to be like boys, you know. What else would you want to say? Like, yeah, she's she's nothing else to contribute. Like, yeah, exactly. We just gonna talk about boys. And Nancy Carson, a children's talent agent, said that her family. Brittany's family contacted her and asked what they should do with her. And she's like, well, let's meet in person. So they took a train from Louisiana to New York because they couldn't afford to fly. She said her parents were really sweet and they definitely wanted her to succeed. Jamie, which is Brittany's dad, according to her, was concerned about the financial aspect of it and wanted to make it happen, but he didn't know how because he's got to spend Like, you've got to spend the money to get her training, to get her up to where these auditions are going to be. Yeah, to get her headshots, to get her all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so there's there's a definite hefty upfront cost to get her in the limelight. And they don't have a lot of money, so they're concerned about that. And they decided that Lynn, which is Brittany's mom, and Brittany would go to New York and they would take lessons, like she would do singing and dancing lessons and... She could do auditions while she's there. 
She said that Jamie would visit from time to time and he was anxious to see this time be worthwhile. He wanted to see basically money made from it Mm -hmm. so that he could justify them spending the time up there. All of this led to Mickey Mouse Club and Brittany absolutely loved it. She killed it. And they said when it ended, she was absolutely devastated. And after that, I didn't know this, but after Mickey Mouse Club ended, she went back home and she just went back to school. Like she was in high school. She played basketball. She went to prom. Like for two years, she was just a normal high school kid again. It's crazy. And I was like, I thought you were famous. (laughs) I know. I mean, I remember watching her on Mickey Mouse Club. Mm -hmm. I do Mm -hmm. too. And I just thought all those kids were like, Totally famous. Famous. Like the Zoom kids, yeah. Yeah. All right, so now we're in 1997. Felicia said that before she worked with Brittany, she was a nanny in New York. And Lynn, Brittany's mom, had called her and asked her to have dinner with them. And she ended up asking her, so she's like, I had an ulterior motive to ask you to dinner. And she's like, Lynn, what is it? She's just like, so sweet. And she's like, well, Brittany got a record deal. And I can't travel with her because Jamie Lynn is in first grade. So would you travel with her? And she's like, well, Lynn, I quit my job yesterday. I guess I can. (laughs) She's so funny. So she's like, yeah, I'll travel with her, you know, and I'll be your chaperone and like look out for her interest and basically act as her family member, you know? Mm -hmm. We meet Kim Kaiman, director, senior director of marketing at Jive Records from 1998 to 2004. She said Brittany went into her office and Kim was like super impressed with her professionalism, how seriously she took everything. We get a little bit of background about like Brittany's growing up and Jamie's presence in her life. They were never very close. He was never really around. He was a very heavy drinker. He'd been to rehab for it. He had some pretty unsuccessful business ventures. And then later he ended up filing for bankruptcy. Why would you let that person be a conservator over (laughs) multiple millions of dollars? Yeah, exactly. He's the one with a history of... Squandering money. Yeah, he has filed for bankruptcy. He's never run a successful business. He's been to rehab. And not that that's a thing that, you know, but we're punishing Britney for 2007, essentially. Yeah, exactly, 2007. Yeah, so you can't like, if he can overcome his alcohol problem, then can she not overcome with treatment and medication if needed a mental hiccup, basically? Well, Yeah, they've given her a basically a life sentence for the year 2007. Exactly, exactly. And and given somebody who has obviously no control over money, who's not responsible with money, Mm -hmm. total control of an empire. Mm -hmm. I do not understand it. Yeah, me neither. So he's not, you know, he's not really there a lot. He's not really a big presence in her life. And Kim said that Lynn was totally supportive of Britney. She makes a point to say like how supportive Lynn is of Britney, that she's always there. She's there as much as she can be. You know, she made sure that Britney had somebody she was comfortable with to travel with her and things like that since she couldn't because she had, you know, her younger sibling to take care of. And she's like, the only thing Jamie ever said to me, like he never talked to me, but the only thing he ever said to me about Britney was she's going to be so rich that she's going to buy me a boat one day. 
And she's like, and that's just all I'll say about him. Very money-driven, only cared about the material things that Brittany was going to afford him. Mm-hmm. Not, this is my daughter. I'm proud of her. Mm-mm. I'm excited for her. Like, what is she going to do for me? Mm-hmm. So then we jump to 1998 and we see video of Brittany going to malls to perform her music. And it's so sweet. It's the early, early, early stages of her music career, right? And she's yeah. just like in front of, on this tiny little stage performing her music and Wesley Morris, a critic at large for the New York Times, talks about her Baby One More Time video and how it's pretty sexual in nature, which as a child watching that, I was what, 11? I didn't get that (laughs) at all. I was Mm -hmm. like, look at her, she's so amazing. But it's, I mean, it is. I mean, even the lyrics and Mm -hmm. I don't know. It is kind of crazy that they they overly sexualize her. Not so much... It's not like Lil' Kim or anything like that, but still, you know what I mean? Like it's... Right, yeah. She's just a kid. But Kim Kaiman says that she captured the dichotomy of being a teenage girl so well. Teen girls just want to be adults, but they're also kids. And at this point, Britney is everywhere. She just exploded. And this was at a time with boy bands. So boy bands were taking over. NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees. I mean, all of them. They were everywhere. Mm -hmm. The Moffats. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Britney held her own in there with all those boy bands. Yeah. And one of the first things that she did, it was really sweet. Felicia was talking about this. And she's like, one of the first things that she wanted to do when she got famous or was just getting famous was she wanted to get $10,000 in $100 bills and pass them out to people in her hometown. And she was like, we went down there for Christmas and she wasn't like, I'm Britney Spears. Here's $100. She was like, Merry Christmas. She just wanted to give back. So sweet. I know. So sweet. Then we see her performing on TRL a few times. And I was so excited because Dave Holmes, the MTV <laughs> VJ from 98 to 2002, he looks is so being interviewed. He does look old. I didn't realize that he was only there for four years. I didn't either. I thought he was like, he was MTV to me pretty Same. much. Like all of the spring break when they were doing like Say What Karaoke, he was hosting all that shit. Yeah. I know. Yeah, he was like, yeah, he was for everything, I guess. But that's really like the the main four years we watched it, I guess. Totally, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So Dave is like, she, Brittany was great. She was approachable. Like she killed TRL and she just played that year so well. And at the time she was everywhere. She had contracts with Pepsi, Polaroid, all kinds of things. She was on the she cover the of Rolling milk. Stone. Yeah, she had the milk ad. But then people start attacking her sexuality and her morals. And Wesley Morris is like, this, is, this came at a time when Monica Lewinsky was big. So people were attacking her sexuality because they're like, oh, which would you rather have? The girl next door that you can bring home to mom? Or would you rather have the, oh, that's a sure thing. You always pick the Monica. Yeah, Jay Leno said that. And everybody is like busting out laughing. And I'm like, let's be clear. Monica Lewinsky was a victim of a sexual predator. And she was young and vulnerable. Yes, yes. That's, I feel really, really bad about, and we were very young when that happened. So I didn't really understand it. And I don't really remember, I didn't hear a ton about it when we were little because it's not, it wasn't appropriate, you know? Like Mm -hmm. I didn't need to hear a lot about it then. But I have heard about it and looked into it since I've been an adult. And 
I listened to a long form podcast on it. I think it's called, yeah, it's Slow Burn. And they did a whole season on that, the Monica Lewinsky scandal, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it is just so, I, I just cannot believe how badly she was mistreated mm-hmm. and the way that she was portrayed when she was a victim. Yes. Bill mm-hmm. is a sexual predator. Yeah. And I have for a long time been an advocate for Monica Lewinsky. I feel like she just got such the short end of the stick. I mean, that's like the like most ridiculous, like not scratch the surface type of way to describe it. But I'm like, that's, it just sucked for her. I cannot imagine what it was like to be Monica Lewinsky, mm-hmm. even still, because there are still jokes that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he was promising her that they were going to be together and that, you know, he was going to further her career and all this stuff. Of course, none of that shit ever happened. Right. But she, I think she legitimately thought that they were, they were in a relationship and it took her a really long time to figure out what actually happened. Mm -hmm. She used to get mad when people called her a victim because she thought she would like still take up for him and stuff. And now she's like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. I cannot believe like, yeah, it's, it's really sad. It is so sad. But around this time in the documentary, we see there's an interview. I don't know where it is. It seems like it's maybe a a European country based on the interviewer, the host's accent. Uh But he's like, listen, we really need to talk about something that, you know, a lot, you've got kind of gotten upset with people for asking you about. You seem to not like it. And she's like, yeah, what's that? And he's like, we need to talk about your breasts. And she's like, my breasts. And okay. And he's like, yeah, for some reason, you just seem to get really angry when, when talk show hosts bring this up. She's how old at this time? She appears to be, I would guess, maybe 16, 17, 18. Mm-hmm. And what what relevance does that have with anything? You don't need to talk to her about her breasts. That's disgusting. Well, and I don't think it's any kind of secret at this point how much I love a good boy band. But nobody's bringing Lance Bass on a show and being like, we really need to talk about your penis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they did sexual dance moves too. Even like the Backstreet Boys said, I'm sexual. Yeah, can we please talk about Too Close by Next? Oh God, I feel a poke coming through. Yeah, oh my God. But what what was it? Quit playing games with my heart where they're all in the rain with their like oh, shirts yeah, all shirts see-through off. and stuff. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like that happens with boy bands too, but yeah, nobody is giving them that level of criticism. Nobody is saying, wow, they're not setting a good example for our, our, you know, the boys in our nation. They're making it all out to be about sex and whatever. Like, yeah, it's a very boys will be boys mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they just rip, like media rips her apart over how she looks and how quote unquote slutty she was. Yeah. And they're like, you know, we have the woman, I can't remember her name now, the woman who played uh, the mom in the Brady Bunch. She was on some show and she's like, you know, she really contradicts herself, doesn't she? Like the way oh, she dresses. Is that her name? A uh, flow something, Florence something. Yes. Yeah. And she's like, you know, she contradicts herself. She dresses one way and she like acts another way, but that's not really how she is. And I'm like, What? Like, did anybody listen to the lyrics of Baby One More Time? She didn't come out and she's not putting out music that is rainbows and butterflies and what you would, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I hope my babysitter sings the song to my kids. Like, that's not what this is. This is a pop song. 
Mm-hmm. Even if she did, it doesn't fucking matter. Like she can, she can sing about whatever she wants to, and she can wear whatever she wants to. She's not right positioning herself to be on the Mickey Mouse Club anymore. Right. Yeah. This is not. Yeah. Just because she what, and that is something that is so difficult for child actors Stars. and mm-hmm. singers. And yeah, because they are pigeonholed into that. Like yeah, and they grow up. And you're not the same person with the same interests as you were when you were eight years old. <laughs> that would be weird. Well, exactly. I mean, I think that we, and don't come for me. I'm sorry. I just feel the way that I feel. But oh my God, what is her name? That girl that does all the bows. Oh, uh, Jojo something. Oh, Jojo Siwa. Everybody kind of reamed her because she's definitely got that like little girl kind of look. Like I've, Described it as Xenon from, you know, the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Girl from the 21st century. She, but she's got, you know, her tight, tight ponytail and her little bows and like all these like cutesy outfits. And I love a cutesy outfit. Don't get me wrong. But it's kind of awkward to me because she's very clearly in her teens, but she's dressing like she's five years old. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ooh, you got to grow up a little bit, girl. Like, yeah. And I think she's also positioning herself. To be a role model. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's you know? there's a difference there. Yeah, but I'm just so, saying, like, it's common. It's it's okay to grow up though, you know? Like Right, yeah, you have to because and no shade at JoJo, like whatever you want to do, but I'm just saying, like, it's okay for people to change. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. And it's, it should be expected. You should always be changing. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, if you're just doing the same exact stuff you've been doing. For years, then people will get bored of it. Like you have to come out with like, you know, new music. You have to change things up. You you know, like mm-hmm. that's just how it goes. But yeah. And and to be punished for not being exactly the same as you were when you were a child is ridiculous. Like, yeah, exactly. When you're and did that happen to the boys? Look at Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. Look at yeah. Justin Timberlake. Yeah. It didn't happen to them. JC was on Mickey Mouse Club too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and didn't happen to any of them. Nope. And Nick Carter, he was like 12 when he joined the Backstreet Boys. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen to any of them. Nope. So Kevin, I don't know how to say his last name. Tantra Rowan? Yeah, I don't know. He was a backup dancer for and tour director from 1999 to 2004. And he said when he was around, she was super creative and she knew exactly what she wanted and she wanted to make that happen. Like everything that happened was because she wanted it to happen. He's the only reason why he was a backup dancer is because she was like, I want you. And we see footage of her from like, they're rehearsing or putting together, doing something with the tour. And people are like, God, you're such a diva. And she's like, I'm not a diva. I just know what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that pisses me off. It's like when a man takes charge and says, this is what I want, you know, at work or whatever, he's a leader. When a woman does that at work, she's a bitch. She's a diva. She's mm-hmm. a prima donna. Mm-hmm. She's bossy. Yeah, she's difficult. Mm-hmm. She's difficult. Yeah. Brittany was extremely involved in the decisions that were made for her business. She treated this as a business and she was deeply involved with every contract she signed. She knew exactly what it said. She was not a little girl who was having some other person just be like, okay, sign this, and she would sign it. She orchestrated every move that she made, and she was good at it. Mm -hmm. She knew what she was doing. So 
for everybody to turn around and be, they, they painted her as this puppet who had no idea what was going on. She just, like they said, dance and she started dancing. Like Mm -hmm. that's not what happened. She knew exactly what she was doing and she put these things together and did them in such an order that propelled her into superstardom. Mm -hmm. She knew what she was doing. She's not a dumb girl who can't run a business. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that kind of stuff makes me so mad too, because a lot of women in in a business world or, you know, in entertainment, I mean, people do it to us too. And I get, I get that, you know, we don't necessarily, like our podcast is about having very casual conversations about cases and things that are going on. So we're not coming at this from a thesis paper perspective or whatever. So people just automatically assume that we're dumb. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what we're talking about because we're talking to each other like we would talk to each other if we were hanging out. And that's the point of our show. But for people to go around and call us stupid, I feel like it's because we're women and they do that to a lot of women. They did it to Brittany. They do it to female news anchors. They do it to whoever. They're just mm-hmm. like, wow, you, you're just, you're really stupid. You're an idiot. Obviously, you don't know what you're talking about, whatever. It's like, no, women can be smart in business too. Like, yeah, we've turned this show into our business. We're not dumb to be able to do that. Brittany's not dumb to be able to do what she's done. Exactly. And it's not because of somebody else carrying her. It's because of her actions, her determination, and her commitment to her job. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Pisses me off. Preach, girl, preach. So then we talk about Brittany and Justin as a couple. So they get together, right? I remember like it was yesterday. I was so excited about them being together. Okay. Obviously, I was not excited because Justin was my man. True, true, true. But if I can get over Lance taking Topanga to prom, you can get over this too, okay? Well, you know what? I actually do feel really bad at how much I hated Brittany. Uh, Because of that? Yeah. Because you wanted to be with Justin. I was like 12. So obviously, you know, whatever. But... Yeah, I hated her because she was pretty and I did not want her to date she my man. Your man, exactly. <laughs> oh my like, goodness. What a slut. But that relationship, as toxic and as whatever as we're going to get into, it became, or, you know, we'll never get the gold that we got from that relationship ever again, I don't think, because the denim on denim on denim on denim matching oh, outfits. Oh, man. Get out of here with that. I'm obsessed with it. I know. But, I don't know. Uh, Wesley Morris, I think, said, we don't have royalty in the United States. So celebrities become our royalty. We looked at them and we're like, oh my gosh, the two, you know, it's like the king and queen of pop or prince and princess of pop have just gotten together and it's exciting. Mm-hmm. And they want to know everything about them. Like the tabloids are flying off the shelves. Everybody wants to know everything that they can eat up about this couple. And Brittany is doing this press conference, it seems like. And they're like, we need to ask you, are you a virgin? And she's like, am I a virgin? And she's like, yeah, I really want to wait till I'm married to have sex. Yeah, I'm a virgin. And I'm like, nobody, nobody asked Justin this. Nobody. That's that's nobody's business. No, it's 100% nobody's business. No. But they did it to Jessica Simpson. They did Uh it to Mandy Moore. They did Mm -hmm. it, I'm sure, to Christina. They did it to everybody. Yeah, and then when people found out that Jessica Simpson did, in fact, have sex with her boyfriend before she got married, she got fucking reamed for it. Yes, she did. And it's like... Yes, she did. And same with Britney. 
Uh huh. But but Nick didn't get reamed. He probably got high fives. Definitely, and that's that locker room thing that we talk about every once in a while. But yeah, could turn it into standard. Yeah, every episode. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's it's the same thing as like that same mentality with people putting down sex workers, but the people who use their services. There's no problem there. Oh, absolutely. I'm grateful for characters that we have had in TV shows, even though they're very silly sometimes and kind of whatever, but like Blanche from Golden Girls or Samantha from Sex and the City that paint that picture that they can be like men are and it's fine too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very grateful for that. It hasn't gotten us as far as I would have liked, but still. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then they break up which spoiler alert, I've learned this in my personal life, (laughs) even though I feel like this is common knowledge for a lot of people. Some of the stuff that I put out there and say, people are like, I didn't know that. So just let no, I'm sorry. Justin and Brittany are no longer together. And Justin releases, and I, again, remember like it was yesterday Uh when Crimea River came out. Yep. And I ate it up too. I was like, oh shit, what did Brittany do? Because she cheated on him. Justin hires this 100% Britney lookalike uh-huh. to yeah. play her in this video. At first, I thought it was Britney. I did too. Yeah. And they talk about in the documentary, they're like, people people made it seem like... So he Justin weaponized that single to incriminate her in the demise of the relationship. That people made it seem like she was the school slut and he was the quarterback. Oh, and Wesley Morris is the one who said that. Yeah. Okay. I I... I don't know, devil's advocate or just wondering, did she cheat on him? I have no idea. I don't know if she did or not. I feel like that's neither here nor there. But if she did, I mean, is he not allowed to talk about that? Well, I mean, I guess he is, but I don't know. I don't know. I feel like people are done wrong a lot of times, but it was a big, bold move to put a Britney lookalike in that video because he knew what that would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every, all of the world attacked her. Yeah, it was always positioned as, and I'm not saying what he did was right. I'm just, you know, kind of wondering like... I mean, it's his life. He's allowed to talk, right? I mean, that's not... It wouldn't be fair to be like, well, you can't talk about it. Yeah, if somebody cheats on you and you're an artist, then you're pre- like Taylor Swift writes, you know, stuff into her songs and, you know, like mm-hmm. a lot of them do, obviously. So... I don't know. I don't know. I just didn't know whatever, but it was very much painted as what did Brittany do to cause the breakup? Oh, absolutely. Not what did Justin do either. It was not a it takes two mentality. It was right. she ruined it. She broke his heart. I know that it's a different situation and it's with different people. I understand this in different times, but Taylor Swift, her calling like John Mayer out. John Mayer really didn't have to answer to any of that. Right. The world didn't crucify him for that. Yeah. It's just a double standard, you know? It's just not fair. And then we get... It's a podcast or a talk show, radio show. Star and Buck Wild. I don't know who these people are. I don't either. There's a show and Justin is talking about... So they're like, dude, dude, come on, dude, come on. Like, we got to ask. You know the question we got to ask. Did you or did you not fuck Britney Spears? And Justin's like, okay, all right, I did it. And then they're all laughing about it. And he's like, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And 
Then, Terrell, you want to talk about uh, talk about Diane Sawyer real quick? Oh, my God. I could not believe this. Okay. I used to love Diane Sawyer. I know, me too. But I was just like, what the fuck, Diane? Like, So Brittany goes on ABC's Primetime Thursday, and it's this exclusive interview, and they're promising this like no-holds-barred you know, interview with Britney Spears and whatever. So Diane's like, look, I have to ask you some questions about Justin. And Brittany's like, of course you do. Like, But Brittany, I have to say, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I have to say that Brittany is so diplomatic and mm-hmm. so sweet about the way that she handles damn near everything that is thrown at her. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay, I understand. Yep, let's do it. Like, mm-hmm. She is so controlled and poised. Yeah. yeah. I could not do it. I could not do it. Yeah, because she could say, well, I'm not going to answer any questions about that. Yeah. And there she are people say, that do that. You don't know the fucking truth. So stop attacking me about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Diane says, Justin's going on television saying that you broke his heart, that you did something that caused him so much pain. What did you do? I'm like, Diane. Yeah. It's, like, she's already the villain here. She's mm-hmm. already said, okay, well, clearly this is true. So tell mm-hmm. us what you did. Yeah. And nobody is asking Justin, like, hey, you guys were both in a relationship and it didn't work out. Did you have anything to do with that? I bet you did. I bet you both did. Mm -hmm. Or did you ever think about the fact that maybe you're just not right together? Yeah, exactly. And a girl can break up with you because she doesn't want to be with you. And sorry, but that's how it is. Rejection's a bitch. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying, you know, we don't know the inner workings of it. We're just kind of dissecting what we are hearing from this documentary. Yeah. But it seems like if a guy breaks up with a girl, it's like, okay, move on. Like, what are you obsessed? And if a girl breaks up with a guy, it's like, I can't believe she did that to him. Or I don't know, like, (laughs) you know? Yeah, it's an ego thing that's really tough. Yeah, when she finally says, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. And again, like I'm saying, I'm not specifically talking about them, but I've seen this in relationships, you know, where like friends or people that I know have put up with a lot of shit in a relationship. Uh, It's happened to me too. And then I've, you know, you say over and over and over, it's happened to me in work situations too. I'm like, you know what? If this keeps up, I'm going to quit. If this keeps up, I'm going to leave you. If this keeps up, I'm going to leave. And then you finally do get to your boiling point and you say, you know what? That's it. I'm done. And they're like, oh my God, I had no idea. Give me <laughs> I didn't know you chance. were serious. Yeah, I didn't know you were serious. Or I thought we were better friends than this. I can't believe that you would just leave and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I've been telling you, but you haven't been listening. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I told you that you're hurting me and you didn't care mm-hmm. to change that. So yeah. So then it's just like the the woman typically in the situation gets painted as we pulled the rug out from under somebody when we've been very clearly articulating that we're in pain for a very long time. And then it's not it's not right and that we don't want to deal with that forever. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Seriously. So then Diane brings up how Brittany has upset a lot of people, a lot of mothers particularly. And one of them is the wife of the governor of Maryland. (laughs) And she actually says, it looks like a telephone interview with like a news channel or whatever. She says, really, if I had the opportunity to shoot Britney Spears, I think I would. 
And it's so terrible. Yeah, and Diane kind of doubles down on it and says, well, you know, because of the example for kids and how hard it is to be a parent. And Brittany's like, I'm not here to babysit people's kids. And she's like, that's really sad that she would say something like that. And Diane's basically like, well, I mean, what did you do to make her say that? Yeah, like, how come you're not being a better role model? And she's like, that's not my job. Like, your job is to parent. And sorry, but if you don't want your kids seeing certain things or listening to certain things, then don't make it available to them. Mm -hmm. You have to control that stuff. Exactly. They're going to see and hear things in the world. I mean, what are you going to do when they get on the school bus? Yeah, exactly. Well, and let's just play devil's advocate. So we were, I don't even know if this is devil's advocate. I don't know what the words are coming out of my mouth right now, but let's just talk about this. So we were, let's say, I don't know what time of the, in the world this was. I'm going to guess 2002. So high school, just going into high school, whatever. But when Brittany came out, I was 11 when she came out or maybe 10, 9 or 10. I will say it all day long. I will shout it from the rooftops. I am a better person because I listen to Britney Spears. <laughs> you know, like her music, I feel like that's one of those things that has shaped me into who I am as a person, along with a lot of other things. Listening to her did not turn me into a terrible person that's a hoe and what, you know, like all these things that this mother, Kendall Ulrich, or Ehrlich has said right about her children. You know what I mean? Where yeah, she's just like, like well, Marilyn Manson didn't make anybody a school shooter. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's, it's just ridiculous to go there. Mm-hmm. And it's dismissive and playing the blame game. Well, yeah. And that takes the responsibility off of you as a parent. Like, yeah, it's being dismissive of your responsibility. Yeah. Like, There's lots of stuff I don't want my kids watching. There's lots of stuff I don't want my kids listening to. I don't make that available for them. Mm -hmm. We do what we need to do to safeguard like the apps that they use and whatever it is. And I don't listen to just the regular radio stations in the car. Like I control that. Mm -hmm. And at that time, they didn't have Spotify, but they had CDs. Like you could have put a VHS tape in and not had it on whatever, like, you know, MTV. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We weren't allowed to watch MTV when we were that age. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We would just sneak it at Nana's house. Exactly. And then in this interview, Brittany starts crying because she's like, you know, you've had a year that would test a lot of people. And she's like, yeah, it's been really rough. And she starts crying and you see her, she goes, oh no, strong Brittany. Like she's trying to tell herself this is not okay. And you have to wonder like, where she's getting that, like, Mm -hmm. it's not okay. And I'm sure, I mean, it is embarrassing to cry on camera. I'm sure there's a lot of people that you wouldn't necessarily want to see you in that vulnerable position. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It just made me wonder, like, what in their history, you know, are you, what's that family dynamic like? Are you being told by somebody that, you can't talk about when things bother you and I don't know, stuff like that. But she ends up asking them to to stop filming because she, it gets to that point where it's like, she's got to cry it out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like she can't stop much. it anymore. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was really sad that she was like, ew, uh-uh, strong Brittany. No, I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be strong. Like you can be strong and cry. Yeah. 
Absolutely. This sucks. It was sad. It's so sad. Well, guys, we're going to put a pin in it here. Yep. We're going to make this a two-parter because we've already been talking forever and we still have half of it to go. (laughs) But the exciting thing is when we come back, we're going to get into the Kevin Federline part of Britney's life. Snap. Yeah. And we're going to talk to paparazzi people who are just doing Britney a favor and helping Mm -hmm. her out. And if you are a patron, you'll get this next episode right lickety split. Mm -hmm. If you're not, no big deal. Totally fine. You just wait a week. You'll get it then. Yep. Yeah. So part two available for patrons now um, at any level. So $3 and up. We'll get it for you ad free. Well, both of them ad free. So that's main feed, two parters. You would get the second part immediately for any tier. Yeah. But thank you so much for listening and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. 